Holiday. What? It's over. Oh, for f- Skidamarinky dinky dink, skidamarinky do. Tom loves West Ham. What? That was probably the worst one you've done. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi, hello. Good to see you. Allah, como esta? It is the Week in the Tackle podcast returning from holiday. Your lovable rogue, returning hero. Tom Rennie is back. It's great to see you all. It's wonderful to not be on a sunbed. It's just great not to be drinking a breakfast pina colada. Really enjoyed making my own breakfast this morning. Looking forward to a week of work and football back every day of the week until I'm dead. Yes, friends, Tom Rennie has returned. Alongside me for this program is a man who does nothing for this podcast. And I go away for a week and he's put out three shows. I don't understand why the work ethic of Brian Dunseth, the chief of Dunsethery, isn't the same when I'm here. What's going Mm. on, buddy? Yeah, well, I've got so many questions. I've got so many statements, but let's start there. It's amazing how much work Tim, Tim Rennie, Tim Horsey and I can get done while you're away on vacation. And and by the way, let's just start with how many vacation button-ups do you have? Because I feel like every single picture of you on holiday had a very specific um, Tommy Bahama slash fresh fruit yeah. feel to your butt. Look, when you, I haven't been on holiday. That was my first holiday, my first beach holiday uh, since my honeymoon. Uh, and we are now, our daughter is like two in a few weeks. And um, before, you know, I, I was happy when my honeymoon happened. So we didn't have a child. Um, so, you know, it's been a long, long, long time. So I've been storing up holiday shirts. Now I wear a lot of black and a lot of like paisley at times, you know, very, some patterns, but they're quite plain. So I go on holiday. I've got a whole wardrobe filled with stored up Hawaiian and stored up Revere collar shirts mm. that need a wearing, that mm. need an airing. And so the answer to your question is lots. <laughs> by, by the way, usually when people go on vacation, they come back with a bit of a tan. Oh, listen, buddy. <laughs> I uh, About 10 years ago, uh, I went to India. We went to Goa. We went to a lovely little kind of mountain range where I swam in this water uh, near a waterfall, which was it was drinkable, crystal clear, ice cold water in the middle of a a jungle somewhere uh, in India, somewhere between Goa and the border of India. It was incredible. Uh, Then we went to a a kind of beachfront hut for a romantic uh, evening and we had a few hours in the sun to lounge before dinner. Now, I and my bloodline comes from Scotland. So we're not really sun people. Uh, and so I got so burned when I fell asleep in my, my sunbed, I went delirious from the sun to the point where I was like having conversations with the water, uh, like the grandmother in Moana trying to speak to the stingrays. <laughs> and I went completely mental for the evening. I was trying to like catch flies and eat them. I refused to wear clothes. I obviously shit myself. So it was a nightmare scenario. Sorry, Tim. Welcome back. And so I don't really go in the sun anymore because of the burns, the many, many burns. By the way, it sounds like you did ayahuasca on that trip. Was there a chance? I don't know what that is. What's ayahuasca? Have you you not accidentally? Yeah. Did you not accidentally ingest ayahuasca? 
I could have been, it could have ingested anything okay. during that period where I'm pretty sure I thought I was Spider-Man. Yeah. I, it could have been anything. Okay. So, yeah, so I don't, so I, I wear like the Factor 50. So okay. I have a little color, I have a little color, but like I'm not, I'm not a sun, a sunbed all day to get leathery brown kind okay. of guy. So, so by the way, re- really quick for translation's sake, when you say sunbed, it yes. sounds as if you're going to a sun tanning salon. Oh, like okay. So, like, we call it a lounge, right? A, like a lounge. Yeah, like a lounger. Yeah, okay. like okay, a lounger, okay, yeah. Okay. Just, you know, for for those that are like, what? The, why Why is he going on vacation to jump in a sun tanning bed? A lot of people do, you know. Mm. A lot of people, when they arrived in Tenerife. Yeah. Tenerife. Uh, they I was going to ask you, what's tans the... Already. Yeah. The Spanish say Tenerife. Uh, and what did you say? Essex, so I say Tenerife. Tenerife. Hey, by the yeah. way, what was the testing protocol? Like, did you have to wear a mask? Like, what was, like, COVID? I'm always it's intrigued by this stuff. Well, England is over now in terms of COVID because Boris Johnson needs uh, some positivity because of all, like, the party shenanigans and incompetence that he's yeah. been doing. And so they've lifted all the restrictions here on Plague Island because, you know, it's important. It's not important the country has a functioning democracy. It's important that Boris Johnson remains the head of it. That's the key. Hmm. Uh, so we've given up all those things here in Spain. Uh, they are a functioning democracy, and so uh, they still had they still had outside restrictions. So like walking around, it was still masking that. I think they've dropped the mask restriction now. It's coming to the end in Spain. They're in the endemic phase, as we hopefully are in. But they've had, of course, a lot less deaths and things than we have. But we don't care about that because Boris Johnson's in charge. It's the important thing. Um, so it was it was a bit rough in terms of yeah, rough whatever. I had the mask on a lot when you're walking around the hotel with yeah. a bit of a drag. It's 22 degrees. I don't know whether that is in Fahrenheit, but it's reasonably warm. It's winter warm. Yeah, you know? so it's not, yeah. it's not summer, but it's certainly not. When we got home, uh, so that we've got an energy uh, massive crisis here in the UK. I, I'm mm. not sure. If it, I think it's similar in America, but um, it's, actually, it's a nightmare here because, again, Boris Johnson um, and he's disgusting Tories. And so we basically have this issue where um, our energy prices and our energy bill has gone up 54%. Mm. My bill's gone up from £80 to £290, for example. Um, Tim just said it's 71 Fahrenheit, if you care. What do you think the answer is, Tim? We've moved on. What did I say, uh, 60? And so when I got home, that's <laughs> bad math, buddy. That's bad <laughs> math. Pass um, or fail, man. We got home. Uh, we got home, we hadn't left the heating on because of the bills. So when we got home, having been in 22 degrees Celsius, whatever, um, we got home at about 10pm and it was minus one oh. in our house. That hadn't been heated for oh. a week. Uh, and it was a truly atrocious. All three of us slept in our bed, just wrapped in the same blankets um, in, in desperate cold. Yeah. Uh, there we go. So that was well, great. L- listen, good news. I taught yes. you from all of my camping trips how to build a fire. So you were well prepared. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was certainly rubbing my wood heartily, as you suggested. Uh, but sadly, there was no flame. Sorry, Tim. That's 10 years of marriage for you. So let's talk about the football, but I'll do a personal experience on it. And I want to start with skittering because I can't do that. I don't have the dexterity. Do it. <laughs> Skittermarinky-dinky-dink, skittermarinky-do. Yeah, this, this is why I could never be a song and dance man. I couldn't nail that. I could never have been Fred Astaire, if only. Um, or Gene Kelly. Do another one. I like doing this. How many song and dance men can you I, name? That's really the only, I can't name any of them. Name a third. For uh, ten bucks. Ten bucks? Yes. Um, um, um Ronald Reagan. Oh, he may be. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you know what? Yes, you can have that. Ten bucks is winging its way to you right now. <laughs> um, we're gonna send it via Columbus Crew and Italy. 
Um, that's a great reference for long-term listeners to this program. <laughs> so I was coming home Saturday from Tenerife and um, I had a few issues. Obviously, West Ham are playing Kidderminster. Now, I didn't think this would be a problem hmm. because Kidderminster Harriers are in the sixth tier of English football. It's kind of what makes the FA Cup the best knockout domestic cup competition, these sorts yeah. of games. Yep. Because every other cup competition, this is why France dropped it, because they have like two divisions and they don't really give a damn about the second division anyway, so they dropped it. And France has the Copa del Rey, but sorry, Spain has the Copa del Rey, but they have like one or two divisions that are all right. Then it becomes, you know, you're playing Tenerife Rovers. You know, it's all a bunch of nonsense. Whereas we go down to Kidderminster, Boreham Wood, Plymouth, you know, whatever, these teams, and yeah. they can actually land a few blows. You get some good games and good knockouts. But I thought Kidderminster Arias, do you know what? We'll fly home Saturday. It don't matter, babe. No, it's fine. I won't want to watch it. So we got to the airport in Tenerife, same time zone as us in, in England. Um, and our flight was meant to be two o'clock. Now we've been away for the week. We've got a, a daughter who's one year and nine months old. And we got there. And bearing in mind, we're meant to be social distancing and that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> not me gusta. Uh, that's not how it worked in the main lobby of the airport after passport yeah. control. And our flight of 40 flights leaving Tenerife that day was the only one to get a delay. Now, a little delay you can handle. You can handle yeah. it. Sure, you'll be all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, three hours. Oh. Three hour delay in the airport in Tenerife. Um, mm. And I thought, well, We've got a one-year-old, so we'll get to keep her entertained here. Uh, so my daughter and I sat in a carriage, one of those put the euro in the slot and the carriage rocks, of the movie Cinderella, which I think Tenerife got when Cinderella was actually in the cinemas, which I think was in 1935. Um, and it's been sitting in there ever since. It actually took pesos. And um, we're in there, and I basically was like, well, I'm going to get on the Wi-Fi, and I watched the game. So I watched the West Ham Kidderminster game, on my phone in Tenerife Airport on the Tenerife Airport Wi-Fi, which wasn't great, in a packed airport with a one-year-old sitting in a Cinderella carriage, like the pumpkin turns into the carriage, and we're yeah, sitting in yeah, there, yeah. watching West Ham lose to Kidderminster for 90 minutes. Mm. It was one of the worst experiences of my entire life. And I once went delirious and myself. Sorry, Tim, in Goa. It was a terrible, terrible experience. Um, and the worst thing is, is that um, our friend Eric from Sirius Sector FC tweeted me and he was like, scoring a late equaliser against Kidderminster in the FA Cup. Like, I usually like West Ham, but that's so lame. Mm. And i got to say, it was so lame. <laughs> I, I mean, it was so <laughs> lame. I really, really, I'm glad West Ham won. Of course I yeah, am. You know, yeah. This is my, my life's obsession. I'm glad they won. But I didn't really want them to win. They yeah. didn't deserve to win. It was mm. everything the FA Cup is meant to be about. It was an incredible performance by Kidderminster Harriers from the sixth tier. You know, it was such an event that Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin was in the crowd. He's a big Wolves fan, but he lives close by. And uh, the great broadcaster, one of my favourites, James O'Brien, big Kidderminster fan, he was there. You know, all the celebs, you know, the, who are from Kidderminster were suddenly in the crowd. And you know, it was a brilliant day. It's a BBC One over here in the UK, terrestrial TV, free to the nation. Probably got probably got six to eight million viewers for Kidderminster Harriers. They made us so much money and got so much exposure out yeah, of it. Yeah. That'll be their budget for the next five to ten years. We, we had the manager on on Grumpy Pundits while I was away and basically explained that uh, how much money Russ Penn, how much money they're going to make from it, which is brilliant. Yeah. All that's happening, 
And they're 1-0 up to a bedraggled, diabolical, awful West Ham United. Sidebar, how do Andre Yarmolenko and Declan Rice play the same sport? <laughs> by, by the way, I was waiting to sidebar your sidebar, but I'll sidebar the sidebar now. Yes. My God, your Twitter handle. You were so angry. I when, when, just... When oh, Rennie's Yarmolenko. When Rennie is in all caps, yeah. it is glorious. It is glorious because I can feel... I can feel the aggression. I can mm. feel how angry you are because you you don't you you don't text or tweet without caps very often. So when you no. do, that's when Rennie's from the top rope and he has someone in his crosshairs. And Andre Yarmolenko, oh. the man that you bought from Borussia Dortmund after just a year there, twenty odd million. That of such a wonderful peg, <laughs> a single peg. <laughs> He doesn't have two feet to run that. No, fast. but he doesn't even do that anymore. Like I the know. only thing, Yarmolenko scored that goal against Chelsea, which basically kept West Ham up a couple of years ago during the first lockdown project restart bit. And for that, you know, we're all pretty grateful for that. He scored that brilliant, brilliant goal uh, that, that got West Ham basically up. Um, but he doesn't do anything. I mean, and you watch the when Deccan Rice scores that goal, right? So Deccan mm -hmm. Rice. They, West Ham haven't got into games with their second team like at all, really, this season. Yeah. Because there is no second team. Well, they there beat is United. no backup. They beat United. And by, and by, yeah, but even in that, that was only a couple of changes. Mm. It was still a pretty strong 11, you know. Um, but in this game, they thought, sixth-tier kid of Minster, yeah. Yeah. We can yeah. unleash Yarmolenko. Yeah. But even his shot was so rubbish. I'm, I'm out of swears now. His shot was so rubbish, it led to the winning goal because he can't even cut in and shoot anymore. And I was on the phone watching it with it cutting out. But every time it cut out and I had to restart the stream, I went to Twitter and did a post about Yarmolenko, came back to the phone to resume watching the match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, truly, he's been West Ham's top owner for a few years. I think Zuma is now, actually. But he got 115 grand a week. He don't play. He doesn't do anything. He offers nothing. He wouldn't get a game for Kidderminster. And when Declan Rice scores that goal... You know, when you've got a class player, the class player buries, like, digs you out of this hole you're in. And that's what Rice did for West Ham when he came on. He dug West Ham out of this, and it would have been humiliation. Let's, let's get it absolutely right. Humiliation to lose a game like that against Kidderminster for anybody. Um, but he dug them out of it, along with Pablo Fornals, and the, the first team who came on, basically, came on and saved the day, because there is no second team. But when they score, Fornals, who I just love, runs up to Deccan Rice, who's doing his... Michael Jackson thing. I think it was some bet with Carlton Carl or something. Yeah, a bit embarrassing, but whatever. You know, you score a goal, do what you want. He can do it. Yeah, he can do yeah, it. You can do what you want. You scored the yeah. goal, mate. Yeah. But um, for now, it's like, ah, we've saved it. We haven't embarrassed ourselves in the club. Yarmolenko turned around and was like, 30 more fucking minutes. God's sake. Sorry. So I've got to do another 30 minutes here for my 115 grand this week. Yeah. I was, my thing's on. Can I tell you Sorry, something, Tim. Tom Rennie? This is how yes. I know how bad it was. You invoked Sebastian Hilaire. You invoked well, yeah. Sebastian Hilaire on Twitter. That's how bad this was. Well, no, but look, I, I didn't like Hilaire. <laughs> I don't think Hilaire was a good fit, but why, you know, the tra the transfer window closed while I was away, and I was I didn't really go on my phone very much. Yeah. I was banned from the phone. But when you did. But but I jumped on. Did. I was like, oh, it's the transfer deadline day. It's obvious yeah. they need a couple of players. Yeah. And, I mean, it's incompetent. Like I'm, that, I, that, that know, big investment, you know, you got a big investment, new owner involved, and he was coming in with the cash. You're going to splash it. That, you know what? They didn't even have to splash it. You can't tell me. Apparently, someone told me while we were away, this uh, Sheffield United fan I was chatting to in the bar. He, apparently, there's 200 football players. Uh, it was great this because I tell people I work in a bank when I meet them out. So yeah, we don't yeah. talk about football. Bank and then he asked me about being a bank teller. And I was like, mate, I don't know anything. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
didn't think this alibi through. I didn't think we'd have an actual conversation, Jeff. Yeah. Um, but then I told him what I do, blah, 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 blah. He should be listening to this podcast because uh, I've told him to. So Hi, know, Jeff. Power. Hi, Jeff. Um, and um, he said, apparently there's 200 registered footballers in the world. Uh, two, 200, one idiot. 200 million registered footballers in the world. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but I liked it when he said it, so I brought yeah. it here. I'm not looking into it. Sorry, Jeff. I'm going to take you at face value. He said, if you look at all the leagues, all the countries, professional footballers or registered footballers around the world, there is 200 million of them. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take that as a, a stat I'll use in the podcast. That's the level of research we do here. West Ham have a first team score of 25. So that leaves, here's some math for you, 199 million, 997 <laughs> thousand nine hundred seventy five players don't fact check that yeah give or take a couple thousand you can't tell me there isn't one better than andre yamalenko that they could have bought in in january you can't you can't there's 200 million of them and you can't and they were like we couldn't find anyone better than this bloke who's 90 percent jam sandwich and 10 percent left foot but anyway there you go but i watched the game in the airport we won in the end and i fairly sure that I did break that Cinderella uh, toy. So apologies to all kids stuck in future delays at Tenerife Airport. It's Yarmolenko's fault. What have you watched? What have you been watching without me? Oh. That was my, I did 20 minutes on Kidding Minister Harry is there. I brought that yeah, game no, in. Nothing. Well, I, I, was, I was loving it because uh, Borm Wood, that one to win at Bournemouth, uh, that little side foot, terrible clearance. Uh, 37, fantastic. that bloke you scored. Mark Ricketts, yeah, 37. Yeah. Yeah, I, what is older that, than me. So, One year older than you. Know, you. Happy birthday, by the way, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I, I wasn't. By the way, just to be clear, I wasn't trying to be malicious with that tweet. I was. I was genuinely happy for you. That it was oh yeah, birthday. I'm sure. I, I wasn't trying to be malicious, showing yeah. you leaking s'mores out of the corner of your mouth. It's that fine. was like. That was like. A, that was an exciting moment in your life. I thought we would share it with the world. You eating yes. your very first s'more. Yes. Yeah. Do you, do you want to do football chat? Or should yeah, we do yeah, sports? no, let's go back. Uh, so Friday, by the way, Danny Higginbottom and I, and just for everyone out there, I've actually asked Danny, I go, Danny, how do, how do you say your last name? He goes, mate, I don't care. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? You don't care. You no. have to, you have to care. It's your own name. How do you say it? And he's like, Danny Higginbottom's fine. And I was like, well, then why is NBC Sports saying Higginbottom? I've I'll tell you why. So when, when Danny, I love Danny, when Danny first started doing sort of commentaries, maybe eight, nine years ago, one of the first sort of places he worked was with me yeah. in TalkSports International team. So part of Sirius XMFC's commentaries in that. And I asked him, how do you say your name? Yeah. And he said Higginbotham. Oh. To me, to my face. Yeah. He said it to me, right? Yeah. Years later, he's on Grumpy Pundits with me, right? Back when we used to be able to book him before we ran out of money. And um, I, I said this to him, oh, I say Botham. And he was like, well, you know, just Bottom's fine. I was like, what? Yeah. You told me how to say your name. Yeah. I said your name, how you say your name. And now you've changed how you say your name. And I'm the one that looks like a prick. <laughs> or as you might say, prike. <laughs> Gary. So, <clears throat> By the way, Danny and I, throughout the course of our conversation, and by the way, if you missed it, if you're just catching it, we had a midweek drop last week uh, here in Week in the Tackle where we talked to Danny while Tom was at Tenerife. Um, and we also recognized that, like, we didn't know this, but Danny and I, like, hung out when we were in England. 
Oh, really? Yeah. So John Thornton, who's over at LAFC now, was one of the Americans that was uh, a part of the youth setup at Manchester United, kind of working his way through. Right. South African defense had a British uh, defense, South African background. He had a British passport. That's he was at United. He was a part of the under 23s. So we would go over with the under 20s and the under 23s, play Manchester United. Because of John West Brown, Jonathan Greening, that's when we all realized, I was like, hey, we're, do you remember hanging out with America? And so we were actually at a bar together, hung out together downtown, played against each other. I've got to find, I've got pictures of when we played Manchester United. Anyways, so we were like all putting this all together. Anyways, long story short, every time Danny is a co-host on Counterattack, it's a Manchester United game that he and I are finishing watching and then going into Counterattack. Yeah. Every Every fucking time, sorry, Tim, every single game, every single show that we do when men, they end up getting the doors blown off or they lose a the game. Yeah. And here comes Friday. Here comes Friday. Cristiano Ronaldo, <laughs> pomp and circumstance. Please, yeah. for the love of God, never take another penalty. And yes. by the way, the way he All like free looks, kick as well. Don't oh do any god, of it. My God. The way he looked back at the penalty spot, like mm. his footing was gone. Like, like it, it was, was a like 1989, yeah, like it was 1989 at Old Trafford where it was like a potato patch. <laughs> like it's the most pristine surface in the game. And yeah. you like look back like. Puta madre. Uh, but his misses, Bruno's misses, all put not putting in the game bed. Like for anyone that says like, oh, it's Rangnick. It's not Rangnick. These are the players. Players fall. They blew it on the day. They were so much better. So much better than Middlesbrough. As I take that away, by the way, Chris Wilder, the setup that you have looks like Sheffield United three seasons ago. The yes. way that you have this team playing right now is extraordinary. I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. It was a fun watch. They dug in. They played well. They caused problems. But for anybody, by the way, for anybody, and this is what I hate. Now that Anthony Alonga misses his penalty, skies it over the crossbar, now the focus becomes on the 19-year-old. Like, oh, my God, like he missed it. I can't believe it. It's his fault. No, it's not his fault. It's every other numpty that missed every other opportunity. I remember when Bruno got a pass from the goalkeeper outside the penalty area. <laughs> yeah. The guy's on one side of the six, and he pings the post on the other side. Do you know, hey, it's annoying now because you've said Bruno, and I've just been on holiday with the toddler, yeah. so that's really annoying. You've we don't talk about Bruno. Why did you do that? We don't talk about him. We, d why did you do it? Don't Seven bring that up again. From now on, call him Finance. on his back. Six foot frame can score an open goal. There's no way Bruno's six Man foot. United and won no trophies. <laughs> you think if you went to a better team, you'd have won some trophies by Hey, now. by the way, can I, I, I will reiterate my stance on yes. the FA Cup and, um, uh, and, and any other cup that's not named Champions League uh, yeah. or top four finish. If you're going to lose, get out now. Yes, that's gonna true. Lose, get out early. Like don't don't string us along and losing the semifinals, and then get our hopes up, get our emotions higher. And by the way, Brendan Rodgers, you hate to see it. Well, am I, am I, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Let, let's we'll, we'll get to Brendan because I okay. want to get to Brendan because I do want to. I want the impression, and that's a big story actually yeah. happening uh, over here this morning. Uh, but oh yeah, uh, because he the, says I and we when they on win, the Man United and thing, I and they when we, they lose. We, okay, sorry. We're not allowing you to move on from this just sorry. because you've decided. Okay. Um, Man United were last relegated in 1974 to the, the second division. Since then, their longest trophy drought was August 1977 to May 1983. Five years and 10 months. Uh, we are now at four years and eight months 
if Man United don't win the Champions League this year, it'll be their longest trophy drought since 1974. Um, at what point do filthy glory hunters like you change to another club? <laughs> Uh, I mean, not too, not too much further, not too much further along. Right. Um, Danny brought up a good point and, and, and sorry, Tim. Um, you know, if, if you go back to Liverpool fans in the eighties mm. and you would have told them how, whatever it was, right. Like 20, however many years it was before they, they, they win the premier league. If you would have said to them in the eighties, like, this is how long it's going to be until you win another premier league title. It'd be unbelievable. You say, no, no chance. There's absolutely no way. If you say to Man United fans right now, it's going to be 20 years. Say the same thing. No chance. There's no way. The reality is that this club, and I said this when Jose was the manager. We were going into yeah. a January window. I said, this club needs 10 windows to clean itself up. To, we've had to 10 get... windows since then. There's been no, 10 I think, windows. I think, I think it's seven. I think we've had seven. Oh, it's only seven. Yeah. yeah we're halfway there. Yeah. We're only halfway seven. there, mate. And you know what? They don't look anywhere close to challenging no. for the title. No, one yeah. So at what and, point are you going to support someone else because someone well, else is winning? And and here here's here here's one of the other issues. Like your your boy Jesse Lingard stuck at the club, right? So you let Anthony Martial go, you let Donny Van de Beek go, and now because of this horrific Mason Greenwood situation, which Ugh, is yeah. so incredibly incredibly disgusting, top to bottom. It's I, I everyone wants to talk about Mason Greenwood. I just want to focus on the young lady involved in this. And by the way, I always said this on counterattack, the nationwide domestic hotline here in the States, 877, or excuse me, 800-799-SAFE, 800-799-SAFE, 800-799-7233 if you're in a domestic violence situation and you need some help. Um, this is now, I think, going to rattle the club to the core because with no Mason Greenwood involved in the club now, with regards mm. to his positioning and what he brought as a footballer to the field. We still it's got now, 19 wingers though. Like, no, I, no, no, no. Hold on for a second. Listen, it has a direct effect on Jesse Lingard short term, right? Edinson Cavani's out of contract at the summer. Greenwood was the one that they were thinking about making that point nine to kind of go. And I know there's a big argument on that, but you're talking about a kid that's a starter, right? Was a starter in this team. Mm. Future was going to be absolutely the number nine, right? Unless you can go get Erling Holland. But it just shows you the cause and effect of something that happens off the field that then now is going to force Manchester United into, into the market. This is, this is but, quite a leap. The front no, 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 three no, no, could no. be Sancho, Rashford, and Ronaldo, and you're saying Greenwood I, missing is why they couldn't beat Middlesbrough. You, you, and why you they think, haven't won the on, do you really think Cristiano Ronaldo lasts past next season at United? doesn't matter. We're in this season. doesn't matter. Do you not plan for the future? Well, you are West Ham. I mean, you don't buy in the buy in the window where you can actually. We didn't buy plan players. for the future. We didn't even plan for Kidderminster. We talking I know. about. I know. That's what I'm saying. But look, what I'm saying here <clears> is that you know you have to now accept that you're top of mid table as opposed yeah. to or, or or we're in fourth position right now. However, you want to look which at is top, it. which is the real, yeah. which is the real champions, isn't it? Yeah, champions. Fourth league. is real champions because the qualified for be Champions fair, League. It, it doesn't count for Man United because mm. you've actually you're still spending the same ludicrous amount of money on wages and transfers as those did we finish top four funds. last year but, yeah, but you're able to this is the thing you, you, you know the the race for fourth is a bunch of teams who are performing above the quality of their budget and yep. one team that's performing so far below the quality of their budget listen and you, you know all of your going, hits on united you don't think i recognize all that 
No, but I just like to see your face when I say oh, it. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, Middlesbrough for the cup. Let's talk about Brendan Rodgers. What do you think Brendan Rodgers said following their loss against Nottingham Forest on Sunday? I'd watch every training every day. And I'll tell you what, some of these players think they're top players, but they're not top players because I'm a top manager and I've seen top players. It's a disaster. Do you know the Brummy accent at all? Is this an accent you're aware of? No. Um, So Jack Grealish is a Brummy. He's from Birmingham. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. But it's also there's there's a brilliant actor called Timothy Spall. You probably you probably know it, just broadly who he is. He's been lots of things. Um, he was really fat for a long time, and now he's really thin. Hmm. Um, and anyway, he was in a program which I heartily recommend called Alfie Zane Pet, which is about a bunch of brickies from the UK who went to Germany in the 80s to build uh, various things. Germany were looking for for builders from outside the country at the time. And it's, there's two series from the 80s, then two series from the early noughties. He plays a character called Barry. And he's a Londoner, Timothy Spall, incredible actor. But he plays a Brummie in it. And his Brummie accent is the most caricature Brummie in the history of Brummies. It goes something <laughs> like this. What I admire, my name's Brummie, when I'm from Birmingham. That's how you sound doing Northern Irish. Oh, it, okay. was, it was a long walk to that well, Sounds but perfect. I think there was water there for anybody... <laughs> who now Googles <laughs> Timothy Spall as Barry and Alfie, the same pet, um, because that's what you just did. Uh, did it's by, by the way, who was the guy that, that, at the bar in the airport? Jeff? Oh, my guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. my guy, Jeff. Yeah. Yes, yes. Sorry. Did yeah. you guys have a bet? He was in the hotel, would... not the bar. He was in the hotel. I met oh, him a few hotel. days earlier. Did you, did you somehow have a bet with, uh, with Jeff that you would get Tim Spall's name dropped in the podcast? Yes, I did, yes. We bonded over a shared love of Alfie to say pet. Yes, we did. So you're saying that my Brendan Rogers is fantastic. Is so that saying. just earned me 10 euros, <laughs> which is completely useless to me because I've already given you 10 bucks for a completely separate bet. So, I've, Jeff, I did it. I did it, yeah. mate. You're welcome. Um, he said some of these players, uh-huh. uh, Brendan Rogers, some of these players, uh, what's the quote? I want to get the exact quote. I've some players may have achieved everything they can here. Yes. I, I mean, watch that's... training every day, and for some, it's everything they could dream of. They've won the FA Cup. That may be it for them, but it's not for me. That's incredible, isn't it? Like, that is incredible. He's throwing them completely under the bus. And, and, and this, is, this has been <clears throat> one of my biggest issues with Brendan Rodgers, is I, and I don't have bullet points to pull up quotes previously, but it's always felt like, and I'll go back to when they beat Leeds United and Bielsa, And he took his little pop shot at Bielsa and all the pundits and saying, you know, not bad for a British manager and kind of that, that whole egotistical, like I broke uh, Marcelo Bielsa down. I win the game. He just always seems to me that it's I and we, when they win and it's I and they, when they lose. And I'll tell you what, it only works so long. Because he's a top manager, there's no doubt about it. But this squad, the same squad that's been, quote-unquote, overachieving for the past couple of seasons, at some point, if you're not getting, and I know they've dealt with injuries, and I know they have so many issues. And by the way, congratulations, you still got Conference League. You still got Conference League you're going into not too far away. I think hey, it's a trophy. It's Randers. A trophy. Oh, yeah. They've, they've no. won more trophies in the last five years than Man United. So Nobody they wants to they? win the first conference league who plays in the premier league i do i'd love oh. to win it that'd be amazing yeah 
I'd love West Ham to win that. I'd love Leicester to win it. I'm sure they'd love to win it. It's a proper trophy. You get to win. You can't just dismiss trophy. trophies. It's not a trophy. Conference League is not a trophy. Of course it is. Conference League is a made-up plot to bring in more money for those nimbits. They yeah. all are. The Champions League is a made-up plot to what, make more money for clubs. What's the history of Conference League? The Champions League at this moment in time what is, is just expanded so Man United will be in it. Man United what's, are not one of the league for multiple years, but they're the still in it. What is the history of Conference League? What's the history of anything? What the f*** are you talking about? How many years? What's the history of anything? League? What's Conference matter. League stand for? It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter if it doesn't have a massive history. Okay. You can do something once and it's good. The Office had two series what's and was significantly like? better than the American Office that had nine series. What does the trophy look like? The trophy looks like a great big bollock. Oh, is it a badge? You lift it out like a giant ball and you hold it by the hairs. With one hand? You hold it by the hairs and you say, bollocks to you, Bielsa. I'm Brendan Bollocking Rogers, and I've won this trophy because it means something to me. And then you slam it down. It looks like when, um, when Randy microwaves his balls in South Park. It looks like that. And you bounce all the way to the final, which I'm assuming is happening in Zurich. I don't know. I'm not Googling it. Of course they want to win it. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the dismissing the... If it's a trophy and you're in it, you win it, and there's a great day for Leicester fans. Or if, <laughs> if West Ham finish seventh and get in it, I'd love to be in it. Do you not day. remember when Brendan Rodgers got knocked out of Europa League on the final day? And he was yeah. literally asked about Conference League, and he goes, I've got to be honest, I don't know anything about it. I think that supports your point about who Brendan Rodgers is more than what the competition is personally. Oh, okay. I think yeah, I think that supports I... your point there. But I will say on Brendan on this right, like I don't think Leicester underachieved or overachieved. I think they achieved. Like we they haven't were... got a you know, all this this whole thing in the last couple of years about like you know, or oh, they finished fifth twice and won the FA Cup. That's overachieving. And the other argument becomes, yeah, but they were fourth all season, but two of yeah. those seasons dropped yeah. out late on to the underachieve. I agree. It's not okay. There's no barometer here for Leicester. They finished fifth twice and won the FA Cup. That's great. They achieved full stop. The end. It's not a case of over or under for them. On the budget they have and the players they've got and the managers they've got, they had two brilliant, brilliant seasons. Now we're in a situation where I wouldn't even say they're underachieving. And I feel for Brendan Rodgers, in a way, hearing that, that interview. He's not the most sympathetic of characters. I appreciate that. But same as we spoke about with West Ham, right? This Leicester team, their defence has been buggered all season. All season long. Vestergaard. He spent money well, to bring in Vestergaard. Here's the thing, right? Johnny Evans is gone. He's, yeah. he's crocked. He's gone. You're going to get 20 games out of him. Soyon yeah. Chu is nowhere near the quality of player without Johnny Evans. But we have had this conversation mm. so many times now. Luke Thomas promised a young 20-year-old James Justin back from a year out. That was the back four. Plus, they play, I think, Daniel Ward instead of Schmeichel against Forrest when they got walloped by Forrest. But, but, by the way, really good. Really quick, I, I was, I was, I was going to tweet this, but I couldn't figure out the right wording. It has been so long since I've seen somebody in goal that's not Casper Schmeichel. That I almost in my own mind was like, this guy won some raffle ticket and he got the opportunity to play against Nottingham Forest in the FA yeah. Cup. Well, judging by some of the performances, he was terrible. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> he was terrible. Awful. But I mean, that's again why you, you, when you're a team like Leicester, you have your strong team, you play your strongest team, full stop the end, you never rotate. But that's, that's another conversation. But they haven't had the quality of defense all season long. And I know the, the owners are beloved at Leicester, but they let him down. The January transfer window is open and these clubs above Rogers, the job of the, the people above him, directors of football, owners, chief execs, you know, whatever the, the structure is, all these clubs, the, 
they, he would have gone, I need some defenders, pal. Mm. And they went, okay, well, we bought Yannick Vestergaard. He should be able to say, well, I'm sorry, he was a panic buy because one of our players got injured. Our defence is Fofana. rubbish. And without yeah. it being, without Fafana being back and without Evans being fit, we're going to lose a lot of games. If you want to have a good season, you want to win the FA Cup again, you want to finish top six, top seven again, that sweet conference league, buy me some players. And nine clubs in the Premier League didn't buy anybody in January. Mm. Well, at least two, Leicester and West Ham, but several others did. But Leicester and West Ham, their problems are identifiable and clear. And it's someone's job to do it. And instead, they did nothing. And that's what led to, to, to them losing this game. As well as the bad performance and how good Nottingham Forest are. They're beating Arsenal and Leicester at home. Murphy, you know, they're, they're well doing an incredible job getting this yeah. team. Um, I mean, the way they come out, the way they come out in games, this Forest team, it's mind-blowing. So much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's so much energy. And, you know, when things are going well, I've seen that Keenan Davis play before. And he is useless. And it just, I mean, he came on for Villa a few times and I, I, he might have come on in the cup final I was at. And I did some games with Gabby Agbon Lahore. It was like, he's a brummy, I can do it. Get a striker on. You might as well play the striker. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but have you seen the striker, Gabs? And you know, we have the conversation about it live. He was useless. But you go to the right club, right manager, right time, right yep. play. And he's scoring great goals and playing Steve really Cooper's well. And got looks him alive. Yeah. Got him going, man. Forrest are good, but. I have some sympathy for Leicester. Oh, no, actually, we can't move on from the Leicester game because I do want to bring this up. We speak oh. a lot about pitch invasions, right? We spoke about this a lot. I went yeah. to Arsenal recently. One fan really ran at Arteta. Uh, and it's happened at Arsenal a lot. My, my, my colleague, Declan McCarthy, goes to Arsenal a lot. And he was saying every time he goes, fans run on the field. I've been at a lot of games recently where fans run the field. Everyone like, oh, it's so sweet when that little girl ran on to get Ronaldo's shirt in Ireland. No, it wasn't. She has no business being on the field of play during or after the game. It's a security risk and all of this. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. It's a sweet, lovely thing. You know, these people, you enter the field of play on purpose. So you might need to run the field of play for a medical emergency. or You might need to run on for blah, 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 blah. Legitimate purposes, fine. Absolutely fine. This game, Forrest scored a goal. A Leicester fan runs onto the pitch and starts windmilling in like your dad at a wedding when he doesn't like the groom's family. <laughs> like it was, I mean, this is disgraceful. This guy oh, doesn't I, I agree. Have to get banned from football. Yeah. This should be a custodial sentence. Yeah. If you run on the field to punch an opposition player when they've scored a goal, you do not have the emotional intelligence for football. You can't see where the line from pantomime to reality is. He's the kind of person that would run on the field to try and punch Widow Twanky mid-pantomime <laughs> in case he stops Cinderella going to the ball. Mm. You know, this is this guy is a, I mean, I, I, is a lunatic. This is this is prison time for me. Ran on the field, Danny, and punched the Forest players. Yeah, I, I, I've, I, I said this as soon as it happened. It's, he should be, the, the, the low-hanging fruit is that he should be banned from ever entering another football stadium. Ever. I don't care what country, ever. Should never be allowed. On top of that, I agree with you, man. Uh, at some point, there has to be a line drawn in the sand. And it's like drink driving. If you're caught, well, then it's time to serve. Sir, uh, you have to, you know, serve time. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, the, there's a part of me that's like, okay, kid, little kids and grabbing jerseys and taking selfies and all that. That's fine. I, I, I can see... I can see kind of the cuteness in it, right? 
Mm. But this is this is disgusting. This, this is, is heat, of, heat of the moment, jumping. Like, think about the balls on this guy. To think that he is, a, like, in that moment, he can do whatever he wants without fear of, of any reprisal in, in going to jail. And, yeah, you're right, throwing haymakers, throwing haymakers at the Nottingham Forest players as they're celebrating. Mm. So it's got to be, I mean, what, what, what's reasonable? Your jail town? Six months jail time? Yeah, banned from all stadiums for life. I would suggest at least. I mean, I don't know what the the basic is for uh, for assault in this country, uh, and it could be GBH, could be ABH. You know, there's all sorts of different levels of it. But I would suggest that this deserves at least a six month custodial sentence mm. because you came on the field and started punching people. But you it, just can't run across the street and start punching yeah. people. You just but see, you it's, it's got to be something. It. It's got to be. But it's spiral, right? Because this has been allowed and allowed and allowed and allowed yeah. and allowed yeah. and allowed. This is why I think Leeds, I think Chelsea have started saying, look, come on the field of play. We're going to find you and ban you now. Because it's this not is, just that. This is creeping. This is happening more now than I ever recall it happening. It's got to be worse. Because you know what? The Like, if you don't make it like a specified jail term, you're creating heroes out of these guys. Yeah. Because this guy is going to get arrested get released. He's going to be in the pub with all of his friends. They'll be like, oh, Mickey! I can't believe he yeah. ran on the field! I, I, I'll do what a punch! Like, the, it's going to be celebrated, as opposed to... May, it's It's got to be like, you know, the racial tweeting. It's got to be something that where there's a line drawn, and you know exactly, if you do this, here are the consequences. Well, do you remember when Jack Grealish got punched by the, yeah. the fan when he played for Villa against Birmingham in the... Yeah. The Derby, the, the yep. Derby in the championship. Yep. And I, I, I remember, I can't remember the whole thing now. If he got custodial, I'm sure he must have. He ran on behind him, punched him in the back of the head because he's so brave. And he, he was interviewed afterwards. And I remember the quote because I remember just being shocked by it. He went, I'm not apologizing for nothing. Because he was just proud of it. Yeah. Proud of this, I mean, yeah. I don't know this guy. I don't want to know this guy who did it at the weekend, but he'd be proud of it, as you say. He'd be proud that it, it happened. And there's got to be proper repercussion for this sort of thing. But it's creeping in this. And I don't know why, but I don't think you can just allow it to keep on happening. And sometimes it happens when your team scores a goal and a couple of fans run on to hug the players. And to a point, that's great. But I'm sad to say that it has to stop because if 10 people run on and one of them punches your right back, then they've ruined it for everybody. As I always say in these conversations, we can only move as quickly as the slowest people in society. Mm. And this guy judging by the way he runs, is the slowest person <laughs> at the city ground at the weekend. So unfortunately, no more fans well, on. But but and, and and really quick, the final point for me, I mean, think about this. If one of the Nottingham Forward players turned after he gets hit, right? Turns, bam, tags him, breaks his nose, yeah. breaks his eye socket, breaks his eye orbital, breaks his cheek, whatever, you know this guy is then going to get a solicitor, a lawyer, and sue yeah. the living pants off the club and the player. This is like the plot of Con Air. Yeah. No. This is what happened. Oh. Keenan Davis, his body is a deadly weapon. And I'm not going to put that bunny back in the box. Other tidbits we should mention. Um, Spurs doing their usual pathetic stuff this weekend. Um, Tottenham Hotspur have now scored more goals in FA Cup history than any other team with their victory in the FA Cup this weekend. They've scored 906 FA Cup goals, as tweeted by their official social media account. Uh, Tottenham, nobody gives a about that. Um, 
Sorry, Tim, but come on. No one, no one cares about that. <laughs> Why are you proud of that? It means absolutely nothing. It's like when teams go, we, if you just take the calendar year, have won the league. Well, you no. don't play uh, the calendar year. Uh, uh, and we don't play scraps. most goals wins the FA Cup. Scraps. You're not now linear champions of the FA Cup. It doesn't mean anything. You played more games in it than Boreham Wood. So, of mm. course, you scored more FA Cup goals than Boreham Wood. Pathetic. Absolutely yeah. pathetic. Um, but on the nice side of it, Harvey Elliott came back following his horrible injury. Goal was fantastic. Great but I didn't, I didn't see this live at the time. But a few social media people in the, the papers picked it up. His dad in the crowd. You see this? His yep. old man in the crowd and that he got captured on film with his 18-year-old son back from a horrendous injury, scoring his first goal uh, for Liverpool and for in front of the cop. Great goal. And it's just, it's nice dad feels. I wholesome. Like wholesome yeah. moment. Wholesome moment. I, I, am, I am now starting to get into that realm. My 12-and-a-half-year-old, my, my almost 10-year-old, and my uh, now 4-year-old. Those proud dad moments, man. I'll tell you what, hit you in the feels. Hit you yeah. in the feels. And everyone out there who's a parent who's seen their child have success in any walk of life, even in school, friendship, all of that, just overcoming adversity. And and tell you what, I'm not a Liverpool guy, but watching yeah. that moment, like you can feel the dad vibes, right? Is the hands up. Ah, he's got the scarf on. Oh, the friend mm. looking around at his buddies like he did it. He did it. He did it. So hey, great on him. And by the way, there's a, a, a little player named Luis Diaz. Oh, boy. Oh boy. He good? I don't say him. He's good. Is he? You like him? Oh, he not only is he different from what Liverpool already are already has, he's got a little Luis Suarez vibe to him, too. He's got a little Luis Suarez vibe. You're gonna like him. He could, I mean, he could have played for Real Monarchs back in 2017-18 out here in Salt Lake City, but you know, previous ownership and all. Uh, yeah. but yeah, he's at he's at Liverpool. And... To be fair, he probably went to Utah and was like, you know what, I'd rather live in Liverpool. Mm. Fair enough. Speaking of Liverpool, one final bit we should mention. We didn't get to watch a great deal of AFCON uh, because I was on holiday during a lot of it. Um, and you didn't get it because there's a whole <laughs> being sports that I was banned completely from doing anything uh, phone-wise and holiday. Read two books, so fine. One about um, vegetarianism, which will change your mind. It's called Why Do We Eat Meat, which mm. I regret reading because I'm now going to go vegan. Um, and the other one was the latest in the Flashman series, uh, my favourite adventure story series it's very much for adults i highly recommend it uh, and this one was called um uh, it's set in the old west in 1849 on the trail to california um not flashman the charge uh oh, i forget what it's called now but it's good a really good book it's flashman's lady flash royal flash they're all amazing uh so i got to read two books i didn't see what much afcon is my point okay. um but i did see the highlights of the final and it was just some excellent bits from it. Firstly, speaking of what trophies look like, there's a picture of Sadio Mane in bed with the trophy. That looks like a sex toy, buddy. Huh. Uh, there's no way of around it. It looks like you won AFCON, went to bed with a giant There's, there's no way around it. Um, I just, if, if, if you're going to design a trophy, don't make it look like a sex toy. That's all I'm saying. Designed by Ann Summers, apparently. Great joke for your lingerie fans out there. Uh, but... Sadio Mane missed the penalty in the third yeah. minute of the game, then scores the winning penalty after extra time. Mo Salah on the other team, Egypt, who I think have won seven or eight AFCON. Senegal never won it, uh, so Senegal did win it. And Sadio Mane scored the winning penalty, having missed the penalty in the third minute in the actual game. Mo Salah, player of the tournament, best player in the world for many, 
didn't take a penalty because yeah. he was lined yeah. up fifth and it never got to fifth. Yeah. The argument is if you're going to allow your best penalty kick taker in terms of what rotation number, don't leave him last. It's, it's, a, it's a glory hunting position. Everybody knows that. You're, it's not the guy with the most stones. That position is I want the glory. If, 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 if we switch around, we say Senegal misses and Egypt can win this tournament, Mo Salah fifth, that, that, that's, that's for the cameras. It's for the videos. It's for the merchandising. It's, it's for everything that Mo Salah is. I, on the other hand, would argue, that, and, I, and I know this is crazy, but I would say I want him first. Hmm. Set the tone. Make sure he takes his penalty. Set the tone. Because there is inherent risk of having your best penalty kick taker at the very end. And that's exactly what happened was we got the shots of Mo standing in the line as Sadio Mane steps up and finishes it off. And by the way, great subplot to this. Uh, the manager, Ali Osise, was uh, the one who missed his penalty yeah. in the AFCON final all the way back when. So uh, talk about a, a complete come. And by the way, Edward Mendy, from a guy that was, yep. you know, talk about the story of a guy who couldn't get an opportunity now a Champions League winner, AFCON winner, uh, pretty extraordinary stuff. Yeah, goes from folding trousers in the shop at 20-odd years old to the AFCON winner and the best goalkeeper in Africa, uh, and maybe the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, debatably. Yeah, yeah. tremendous story. Uh, Senegal win their first ever AFCON, uh, 16th time they've been it, 15th different nation to win the competition, which is superb, you know, better than all the other tournaments in terms of different winners, which is what you want to see. And final word today goes to Senegal president, uh, Macky Sall, who today declared a public holiday in the country. Mm. Nobody in Senegal, as we record this, is at work today because they are partying hearty, Marty, and that's exactly what they should be doing. It's a shame because I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great if England did win the Euros, as they should have done, and Her Majesty, God bless her and all who sail in her, came out the day <laughs> after and said... Nobody goes to work today. You can all go and get f***ed. Sorry, Tim. That was this week's episode of Week in the Tackle. Very much enjoyed being back, though frankly, Dunny was doing so well without me, I may well not come back again, unless you leave a really positive review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating as well, and write in the review, no more Dunny-only shows, we want more Rennie. Rennie by the barrel, Rennie by the bucket, give the public what they want, Rennie forever, Dunny never. Something like that. A uh, Week in the Tackle also available on the SXM app, free for most serious XM subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts for video clips of the show and more. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SiriusXMFC. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's Program Director, Joe Tollison. SiriusXM Podcasts.